Okay, good morning. Uh, we are going to be looking at the Bible together. We're going to carry on in our series. We've just started looking through the book of James. We've had a great uh, start looking at that over the last couple of weeks uh, with Dan. James talking about trials and how we, uh, how we look at trials and uh, how we face trials, how we go through them, how we find that unusual joy that comes in the midst uh, of a trial as it produces perseverance and faith uh, in us. Uh, it's gone on to see that we need God's wisdom. Uh, and that if we, if we lack wisdom, we should ask God for it. We should ask him. Uh, and that's what we've looked at over the last couple of weeks. And we're going to look at the next couple of verses because from there, uh, looking at trials of many kinds, looking at asking God for wisdom, suddenly we jump in with verses 9 to 11. And he seems to completely change the subject. So we're going to read that and then we're going to go from there. So ver uh, James chapter 1, uh, verses 9 to 11. Believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position, but the rich should take pride in their humiliation, since they will pass away like a wild flower, for the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant. Its blossom falls and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade away, even while they go about their business. Now, what's this all about? We've been talking about trials, we've been talking about asking God for wisdom, and suddenly this contrast of those in humble circumstances and those with plenty, the rich and the poor, it seems a jump. We're talking about money suddenly, we're talking about people in humble circumstances, we're talking about those who are, are rich and have status and have, uh, are in, in less humble circumstances, let's put it that way. But actually, this does continue from what we've looked at over the last couple of weeks. In fact, as we see this, this is an illustration, an illustration of one of life's contrasts, those in humble circumstances and those who appear to have plenty and maybe status and position and lots of money. In fact, it's an example of trials of many kinds. Looking back at verse two, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. And this illustrates why we need to ask God for wisdom, why we need to apply God's wisdom in our lives. James here is tackling, how do we in wisdom face these different circumstances? What's our attitude towards wealth and status and worldly position? You see, perhaps in humble circumstances or with the seeming lack of financial resources, it's, the trial appears obvious. And actually that our attitude can become, well, it would be okay if I had more. That's the reality. For the rich, for those with plenty, it may, particularly looking in from the outside, it may look, man, this, you don't seem to have any obvious trial, but actually can potentially be bigger. Potentially just that more subtle sense of trial. What do I mean? Well, when Jesus uh, looks at this, when Jesus tells the story, the parable of the sower, he puts in this interesting comment in Mark 4. Mark 4 and verse 19. In verse 18, uh, he says this. Uh, in verse 18, that still others, see throwing the farmer throwing out the seed, and he says that still others of the seed, uh, like seed among thorns, 
They hear the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. It's that interesting phrase, the deceitfulness of wealth. All sorts of things can get in and kind of choke uh, the work of the word of God in our lives. And Jesus is saying, look, be careful of the deceitfulness of wealth. In, in 1 Timothy uh, chapter 6, uh, Paul likewise uh, gives this uh, consideration and warning. In 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 9, uh, sorry, not 1 Corinthians, 1 Timothy 6 and verse 9, he says this, those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. See, the Bible makes it plain to us that having a lot of money in and of itself isn't the answer to all our problems. Actually, it can cause all sorts of temptations and trials and a trap, as Paul puts it. The deceitfulness of wealth can cause all sorts of problems. Not that money in and itself is not okay to, be, to have and to use, but here James is tackling this issue. Here are some of the trials of life. How do we face them with God's wisdom? What's our attitude towards wealth and or lack of wealth? And you see, James hits this contrast here really hard. Those in humble circumstances, those who are rich. And he completely hits against kind of the worldly wisdom and attitude you might expect in the world. The predominant view, the world would tell us, well, actually, if, you, if, you're, if you're wealthy, if you've made a lot of money, you're successful, you've done well. You've, you're in a prominent position, you have influence and you have done well. Now, it's not to say that being successful is wrong or that having influence is a bad thing. But the world would say this, is what, this measures how valuable you are. And if you're in humble circumstances, well, you just haven't done very well, have you? You see, the rich and the influential and those in a high position, they are the ones who are, have value. They may be loved or be hated, but they're prominent. And you see, James comes here and he says, no, no, no. Those who are in humble circumstances should take pride in their high position. And the rich should take pride in their humiliation. See, James just cuts straight in here. Whoa, what's this about? And James is encouraging us, exhorting us to seek God's wisdom in this, to apply God's wisdom, to, to have godly attitudes towards wealth and position and worldly prominence. What's the truth? Let's not fall into the trap. Let's not be deceived by wealth. Let's not just follow the world's attitude of saying, oh, yeah, that person's really successful. They must be really good. They must have done really well. So as we look at James's words here, we can ask ourselves three questions. We're going to start with this one. What do we rejoice in? You see, that's what these verses immediately do. They encourage us to to take pride, to boast, to rejoice in something. 
And when it comes to wealth and status and position in the world's eyes, having more is generally to be celebrated, to rejoice in. So it would be very easy uh, if we were wealthy, if we considered ourselves relatively well off to to get to this, oh, look at me, haven't I done well? I'm comfortable, I'm in a great place, I'm worth something. Look, my bank balance tells me so. My position of influence tells me so. See, the world would say they're highly placed, they've done well, they're secure, they're important. Rejoice and boast in your riches and your position. And easy in contrast, if you're, as James describes, in humble circumstances, no prominent position, no abundance of riches, maybe struggling. Actually, it'd be easy in the world's eyes to have the view, one of self-pity. If the, if the rich and the influential could have a position of, well, I'm self-reliant, I'm able to do it myself. Well, then the contrast could be one of self-pity. Look at my lack. Woe is me, I, I'm, I'm, I'm trapped here, what do I do? Maybe even this is unfair. The world would look and see someone in a lowly position, downtrodden, maybe even worthless or unimportant. The idea would be, yes, despair of your lack of wealth. In this world, you see this. If you have wealth and status and position, ah, you've done well. You can be comfortable. You know what you're talking about. Probably you maybe have the answers, you're powerful. You're probably generally praised or perhaps resented for it. But there's a prominence and a, and a, a high place, it would seem, in the world's eyes. Yet James here is exhorting those in humble circumstances. No money, no position, no status, no worldly importance. You take pride in your high position. You rejoice in your high position. And to the rich, James is saying, you rejoice, you take pride in your humiliation. You see, James is encouraging us to think deeper. What is it we're rejoicing in? And his simple command is this, don't rejoice in wealth. See past our wealth and our position or our worldly status or your lack of it. See past all of that to your position in Christ. Your position in Christ is something to rejoice in. See, James tackles heads on, head on the danger for those who have plenty and those who have little. See, here's the wisdom of God. Don't focus on your wealth or your lack of it, but on Jesus and your position in him. See, the danger here for, the, for those who have little the danger is maybe to slide into self-pity or, or envy and jealousy of those who have more and to miss the glory and the truth of the gospel. Easy to slip into, oh, woe is me. God must, God must not love me. God's maybe angry with me. My lack shows I'm unworthy and I'm not doing well. If, I was, if, if God loved me more, perhaps I'd have a more prominent position. And James is saying, no, no, no. Rejoice in your high position. Is this pretense or just wish, wishful thinking? No, it's not. You see, he's urging us, in a, those in humble circumstances, see the real truth that you are seated in the heavenlies with Jesus. A child of the king, you're righteous, you're made clean. 
not ignoring the reality of hardship, but finding and knowing the joy in the trial. And for the rich, the danger here, I'm, I can do it myself. I'm, I'm self-reliant. I'm, I'm doing fine. I'm doing well. I'm successful. I need nothing. My wealth shows I'm doing well. I'm, I'm, I'm loved. I'm worthy. No. Rejoice in your humiliation. Recognize that your wealth and your worldly status means nothing. And remember, you are a worthless sinner that's been lifted by the grace of God, not by your merit or your success or your wealth. See, James is hitting us hard to remind us our value and our rejoicing is not found in wealth or the lack of it, our worldly position or our status in the world's eyes, but in Christ and our glorious hope that's in him. That hope that's not dependent on our performance, not dependent or added to by our money or our success or our position or our worldly status or our value in the world's eyes. See, it gives us pause to think if we, have, if we are relatively well off, if we have position as the world would see it, it's not wrong, those things, but we have nothing to boast about, nothing to be arrogant about. Don't be arrogant. We're not the answer somehow because the world sees us as successful. You see, we see that with nations as well as with individuals. It can be such a, a trait of the Western world. Nations that are more wealthy, more sophisticated, to think our ways are best. We will show you what to do. We'll show you how to get to where we've got to. We need humility in this. And if we have little, if we would consider ourselves in humble circumstances, not, less, not lesser, not second class, not somehow secondary to those who have more or seem better off in the world's eyes or who have greater worldly position and prominence. We rejoice not in our wealth or even in our lack of wealth, but in our position and hope and security in Jesus. In whatever circumstances, as we go through various trials, whether we're rich or poor, whether we are healthy or going through sickness, whether we are single or married or bereaved or, or whatever, we focus on him and we rejoice in him. Leads us to our second question. What do we put our trust in? They're related. See, James continues speaking of the rich in verse, uh, continuing in verse 10. The rich should take pride in their humiliation since they will pass away like a wild flower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant. Its blossom falls and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade even while they go about their business. See, James carries on the conversation. Don't delight, don't rejoice, don't find worth in worldly wealth or status. And he continues with this reality. These things don't last. Money, worldly position, status, none of it lasts. We can't trust in them. He uses an image of a plant, a wild flower. A wildflower that passes away, it withers in the sun, its blossom falls, its beauty is destroyed. Something that appears so beautiful, 
but in reality is unprotected, is isolated, is fragile. So too, riches, worldly wealth, worldly position and status may appear dependable and solid and in many ways beautiful, but not solid at all. They wither and fade. All these things will wither and fade. You see, again, Paul's similar exhortation to, to the rich, continuing that passage in 1 Timothy 6. But in verse 17, he says this, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. You see, God can bless us with material riches. In fact, he goes on to say, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. He can give us all sorts of good things in order to bless others and to to further his kingdom. But don't put your trust in those riches. Jesus told the story, uh, the parable of the rich fool. Talks of a man who had so much crops and so much produce he thought I don't know what to do with it all so I know what I'll do I'll build a bigger barn my barn's too full I can't fit it in so I'll build a bigger barn and then I can put all my stuff in and he does it and then he is he's joyful wow I've managed to fill up my barn I've got so much stuff I can relax and enjoy life and brilliant and God says you fool this very night your life will be demanded of you You've just busied yourself storing up all this food for yourself, just storing up, kind of focusing on your riches. What do I do with my riches? James's stark warning is this. If this is where you put your hope, these things, your trust, if this is where your value is found, these things that fade away, these things that will wither and fail and can't be trusted. Well, he, he puts it starkly. In the same way you, the rich person, will fade away even as you go about your business. He goes further, not just, these things will fade away. So if that's where your trust is, if that's where your hope is, I see you'll fade and wither. There is no hope and certainty in them. So you see, James is pointing, as he has been, in every circumstance, whether you're rich, whether you consider yourself rich or poor, humble circumstances or uh, prominent position, in whatever, he's encouraging and exhorting us, put your trust in God. Persevere in faith and trust in him. Apply God's wisdom. What is the solid ground? It's him and his word, and his truth. Where can I find my hope? In him. It leads us to our third question, just as we finish. We rejoice in him, we trust in him, therefore what are we living for? We live for him. See, that's the deceitfulness of wealth, that it it kind of creeps in and says, actually what you need to be living for is the the next bigger house, or the next the next, the next promotion, the next, once you've got the next promotion, then you'll be in a better place. Then you'll be in a, you'll have more money. You'll be able to do what you want to do. You can move from this house to a bigger house, to a better house, to a better house. Or perhaps on the flip side, actually, you can just live in resentfulness that you don't have any of those things. I can't move to a better house or a better house. I'm not getting a promotion. I'm struggling to find a job at all. 
just resentful that others can kind of climb this property or financial ladder. What are we living for? Better houses and better jobs aren't bad things in and of themselves, they're good things. But are we living for that or are we living for the glory of God? Are we living for his kingdom? That's what Jesus calls us to, that's what James is calling us to. Live for him. Don't get distracted by whether you have much or you have little. Don't get sucked into thinking I'm doing well because I've got lots or I'm doing badly because I've got little. No, focus on Jesus. Rejoice in him, trust in him, live for him. The one who has lifted us from the pit, who has seated us on high by his grace. Let's come humbly to him and rejoice. Amen.